Welcome to the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jace Howard, and this is going to be the first episode of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast of hopefully a lot of episodes. You know, I don't know how many, but I can tell you that I'm hoping that it's more than my last podcast. Now, granted, my last podcast was when I was nine. It was two episodes long. And believe me, they were two very brutal, hard-to-get-through episodes now that I look back on them. But I'm hoping to definitely do better this time. I'm 13 now. I've got four years more of experience. And I feel like, you know, podcasting is maybe something I want to do when I'm older. There's multiple jobs. I love sports. All three of my jobs that I would want to do would involve sports. And so this is just trying to get me going, you know, give me experience in what this is like. Also, if you want to go check out Just Seven Homies Talking on Spotify, it's a podcast me and my friends do, you know, they, they kind of inspired me to start my own back. And I'm, I'm really glad for that because it's one of the things that I love doing. Anyways, look, there will be three segments in the show today. The first segment will be the NBA trades, as there were some massive trades. If you follow the NBA at all, or maybe not, maybe you're just a general sports fan, you have to know about these trades. Also, college basketball. I'm a huge college basketball fan. And yes, I am a Kentucky Wildcats fan. For all you Louisville Duke fans out there, I'm sorry. But I support my Wildcats when in doubt. And right now is more of a doubt time as we are needing some wins, at least to say. I will also be doing, for all my football fans, the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just, it's a huge game. You know, as a sports podcaster, you have to cover that. You have to at least mention something about it. I mean, it's it's the most watched sporting event in the United States of America all year. I play soccer, too. I'm not afraid to mention soccer on this. You know, I know people, maybe they're not as interested in soccer. But for the couple of people who listen to this who are, you are going to want to stay tuned because I will talk about some soccer. I love it. I love playing it. It's one of my favorite things. Welcome to the first segment of the first podcast of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. And in this first segment, we're going to talk about the NBA trades. As you know, the trade deadline ended on, I do not know when you all are seeing this, so I can't say yesterday, tomorrow. Anyways, the trade deadline ended Thursday at 3 p.m. And until Thursday at 3 p.m., everything, the landscape of the NBA changed. First, Friday. Friday was the first big day. Kyrie Irving demands a trade out of New York. And I listened to the Ringer NBA show. Go check that out. It's a, it's a great podcast. I love it. And they were talking about how, you know, that new, that the Nets were so quick to ship off their stars. They... Clearly something was going on, and that whole media about Kyrie and KD saying that they fixed the problems, you know, that was just a big bluff. And clearly other franchises didn't care because only the Mavericks 
and the Suns even attempted anything. I, I did see some rumors of some other deals, so I'm not just going to say they only attempted anything, but a very select amount of people, especially for KD, sniffed around because they assumed everything was unicorns and rainbows over there in Brooklyn, and it, it just wasn't, and it, it hasn't been ever since Harden left. I mean, Kyrie and the pandemic, KD's been injured, Ben Simmons, like ever since all of that, it's been a mess in Brooklyn, and it really has, and they can't fix it. You know, it it's it's hard. It's like, how do you fix? How do you fix a an organization where you try and build a super team and it doesn't work? You know, you need it to work, you want it to work, and it doesn't work, and that's that's the reality of what happened in New York. On paper, it seemed like it could be one of the best trios of all time. And I'm I'm talking Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James good. I'm talking on paper. Now, these guys were old, so maybe not that good. But I'm talking on paper. These guys looked like they could be one of the best, if not the best team in the NBA. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, sorry. Um... It looked like they could be, like I said, one of the best teams in the NBA. And then it just slowly, the cookie started to crumble. I heard a stat, I think it was, of about 270 or so games. That trio played 30, something close to it. It was a ridiculous margin. It was something that, as a trio, you never want to see. You have to play those games together. And Kyrie missing all those games, especially even with KD, you know, that hurt him worse. You know, think about if Kyrie plays that Buck series. Are the Nets in the finals? Do the Nets win a championship? Does all this never happen? So that little bit could change the landscape of the NBA. But to get on with the trades. So the Lakers, who I want to mention, they're not going to be my main two team talking points, obviously, but who I want to mention because they got drastically better this trade line and trade deadline, sorry. And while while their front office hasn't been good and Rob Palinka has been shaky at times, Russell Westbrook didn't work out, he hasn't put shooters around LeBron, while it has been shaky at times, this was a very good trade deadline for the Lakers. And Rob Palinka did an amazing job. In my opinion, he did a great job at handling this team, putting the pieces around them they needed. They needed defense and they needed shooting. And I think that's exactly what they got. The first trade they did was a three-team deal where they picked up D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. All And they put gave Russ away to the Utah Jazz, and the Jazz gave Mike Conley and... I'm not quite sure who else. I know they gave Mike Conley. That was the main guy. I don't I think the other guy didn't, you know. They gave Mike Conley away. That's a win-win for all three teams involved. The Utah Jazz obviously won Victor Wimanyama. One, if you haven't heard of him, he is one of the probably greatest prospects ever. I mean, up there with the Kobe and LeBron prospects. He, he, He's just insane. 
seven foot three unicorn demigod. I mean, I don't know. This dude, this dude's just built different. Silky smooth jumper like Steph Curry. So the Utah Jazz, they're trying to tank. I mean, it's pretty obvious. They traded for Russell Westbrook. And no diss to Russell Westbrook, but he hasn't exactly been all-star point guard Hall of Fame material. He hasn't been triple-double Russ. So, you know, it's not obvious they're trying to tank, but they're leaning a little bit more to the tanking side rather than the winning side. And the Lakers get drastically better because they pick up Jared Vanderbilt, who he's a great defender, great rebounder, and while he might not be the greatest shooter, he still provides a little bit of spacing and a guy to pass to for this Lakers team. Malik Beasley, one of the best defenders in the league, maybe not a great shooter either, but he, like I said, he still provides a little bit more spacing to this team. And they dealt Russell Westbrook. That was the big thing holding him back, I felt like. It wasn't all his fault, but he's so ball-dominant that you really it's, he's just hard to pair with AD and LeBron, and especially if he doesn't accept his role in that team. However, they do get D'Angelo Russell, which I think will be a bigger piece to them than they even realize. Because if you think about it, now LeBron can take the ball. D'Angelo Russell can play the shooting guard and the two spot just as good as he could play the one. He's a great shooter. We've seen it. He's already been to the Lakers. He has a relationship there. You know, he knows what it's like to be an L.A. guy. And he can play off ball. He might not be the greatest defender per se, but he can play off ball. He can shoot. This gives LeBron and A.D. more space to create for themselves, create for their teammates, and I think ultimately makes the Lakers a way better team. Maybe not to the contender spot, but I think this jumps them up a couple of places in the Western Conference standings. Next trade they did really wasn't very important. Thomas Bryant, Mo Bamba, they get Mo Bamba. He has a little bit of length, can block some shots, can play some good defense. And that's something, you know, maybe the Lakers don't need, they do need. I personally think Thomas Bryant is the better guy in this scenario. And the Magic win this trade because he can shoot, he can defend. I He's not maybe your – he's not your Embiid or Jokic, but he is a great – I feel like he's a good starting center. And so, in my opinion, I think the Magic win this trade. And maybe, you know, the Lakers – I still think it's not a bad trade, though. I still think, you know, maybe the Lakers, could they have done better? Maybe. But, you know, they still took a W with the D'Angelo Russell trade. Next trade I want to focus on is the Kyrie Irving trade, which is huge. So back back to our talk about the teams fiddling with, Kyrie and KD and, you know, in the talks and stuff. And so Kyrie goes to the Mavericks. This is a much, much needed move for the Dallas Mavericks. So I have Dallas's stats here. And the team leaders in points, Luka obviously 33.4, rebounds 8.9, and assists 8.2, plus steals 1.5. So Luka's the leader in all these categories. What happens when Luka sits out a game? 
well, obviously the Mavericks are, one, not as good a team, and two, don't have a score to rely on. I mean, their next best score right here is Christian Wood and Spencer Dinwiddie, who is gone now, plus Doran Finney-Smith, who is also gone now. Christian Wood is their second best scorer. And Tim Hardaway, like, this is not a team who's going to win you an NBA championship. When your third leading, your second leading scorer is Christian Wood behind Luka Doncic, because what happens when he sits out and he needs to sit out? I know people get mad about Kawhi sitting out and resting all the time, but these guys do need to sit out. They're going day in, day out, night in, night out, putting in the grind, the sweat, the tears, and your body needs the recovery. It, it really does. It really does. And so I think that this is a big trade for the Mavericks because Kyrie is somebody who they can also lean on when Luke is out. Now, the one thing that scares me with this trade is Kyrie's history. The Mavs clearly want to win because Mark Cuban is a big baller. He's going to make the big trades, and he wants to win now. He doesn't want to win in the future. He wants to win now. And that's what this move symbolizes because you're taking Kyrie, who's a very risky player in the sense of, the pandemic, his off-court issues. I mean, Kyrie is a very risky player to take a chance on because who knows what he's going to do to you, who what he's going to do to your franchise, your players, your locker room. There's multiple chances. But if you want to win now, Kyrie is the guy to go get because when Luke is out, like I said, he can play. Or, you know, he's just somebody who Luka can pass the ball to and he's not going to have to lean on himself or running the pick and roll with Christian Wood and he's not gonna have to feel like that pressure's all on him because there's Kyrie to carry some of the load. The one thing that scares me with this trade, besides Kyrie's off court drama and stuff, the one thing about it is who's gonna take care of the ball? I think it's still Luca's team and it's still Luca's ball. He still gets to bring the ball up the court that's still his team. But Kyrie, on the other hand, poses a place where he can take the ball. He can dish to Luka. There's multiple things Kyrie can do for this team. It's just how is he going to do them is the real question. And, you know, I don't really know how he's going to do them. I don't know who's going to get the more the usage rate. But to me, the biggest thing for this is that Luca now has a co-star with him to where he doesn't have to depend upon just himself. And I think that is the biggest part of this trade. Moving on to the KD trade. A trade that happened and very, and I mean very few people expected. This trade happened. Wednesday night, we were all in bed, or at least I was. I had school, you know, I gotta, gotta do my schoolwork even if I don't want to. But, you know, I have, I have school, so I'm in bed, right? And I wake up, KD's traded to the Suns. And immediately I'm like, oh, well, the Suns, I mean, 
They're a contender. Here they here they come. Watch out for the Suns. But you get to looking at this roster, right? And points-wise, their next two leading scorers, Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, got shipped off. So right now, their biggest depth is Cameron Payne, Landry Shamit, Damian Lee. These guys, and they're good at their respective positions, but they're not good as an NBA player. So they add Durant, and yes, their starting five boosts tremendously. I mean, they're they're a contender now. They're just not deep. And I know I'm looking at the cons for all these trades, but the Suns just are not deep. And that's and if that's a that's gonna be a problem they face because now unless they sign a couple people off the free agent market, they're not trading for anybody. They can't go out and get a three and D guy. They are not deep. And it might hurt the Suns. Who knows? It could hurt the Suns, it could not hurt the Suns. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I will tell you that KD and Chris Paul and Devin Booker, no one's going to be able to guard that team. They just aren't. Because you have Chris Paul, one of the greatest point guards to ever play the game of basketball, probably one of the best assist men to ever play the game of basketball, paired up with probably the best I'd say James Harden's the best ISO player, but KD is just such a versatile player. No position can guard him. He's one of the most unguardable players in NBA history, in my opinion, because of his body, the way he moves. He's just, he's on a different level, and he's still doing that. He's still doing this at his age. And so to get KD playing at an MVP level, mind you, to come in, and be on this Phoenix Suns roster, who was already, in my opinion, a contender before this, is huge. It's massive. Who gets the usage? I don't know. We'll have to see, wait and see on that. In my opinion, you give Durant the ball more, but you got to still give it to Devin Booker, who is loyal to your franchise, and you got to still let Chris Paul create. And don't, Forget about DeAndre Ayton, who we're just forgetting is not a great big man, but he's a solid guy. And he will do what you need him to do in a center. He'll get you those rebounds. He'll get you, he'll make his two assists a night. He'll get his 10 rebounds. He'll get his 18 points, and he'll go on. And that's all they need from DeAndre Ayton because the scoring is going to come from other places. So that's that's my takes on the trades. I think Lakers took a W. The Mavs definitely got better with this trade. And the Suns did too. However, there are some concerns about these trades. That's all for segment one. I will see you in segment two, college basketball. Welcome to segment two of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Jace Howard. And in the first segment, we talked about NBA trades. 
Time to move a level down to college basketball. One of, if not my favorite subject to talk about. This one will not be as long as normal because the NBA trades were a big part of today's episode. But I still love college basketball and I still am very passionate want to talk about it. As I said before, I am a Kentucky Wildcats fan. I do support Kentucky through really anything. I mean, these last few years have been quite dreadful, to be honest. Uh, I think that might be an understatement, honestly. But I'm still here. I'm still rolling with my team. I'm still grinding it out, watching watching every game that's not at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday night. Yes, that is... One of the most terrible scheduling things possible. But anyways, on the brighter outlook of things, Kentucky, they're getting, they're getting there. They digressed after the 15-point loss it was to Arkansas. That, that, one, that one really hurt. And so now, seven games left. Credit KSR. I listen to them all the time. Seven games left here. They said, in their opinion, five and two to make the tournament. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you only I think you only have you could have five two you could go five and two in these last seven games. I think you could still make the tournament. I think if you want a for sure spot, for sure spot. You have to go six and one, and that might even be on the fringe. Now, if you go seven and zero, I think you're a hundred percent in, and at that point, you are a maybe even a nine seed. That that could be pretty good. But Kentucky right now, assuming they go five and two, six and one, they're looking at an eleven seed. But based off the bracketology. The the teams, the six seeds, the three seeds, they're not that great this year. No one is really good this year. If I'm being honest, no one's really good. Tennessee went down to Vandy. I mean, Tennessee went down to Vandy. A top two. I think they were number two. And they go down to Vandy? At their place. No one's really good this year. It, it doesn't matter who you play. You just got to get there this year. Seeding, in my opinion, is not as big this year as it has been in past years. Obviously, you want the one seed. We wanted the two seed last year, and who did we play? I don't know. Probably the greatest number 15 seed of all time, the St. Peter's Peacocks. Yes. I don't want to relive that. But anyways, talking about this season, Kentucky, I think they have. They have. Potential. Kaysen Wallace has been playing more consistent. Shibway has been probably his worst two stre- stretch of two games at Kentucky, which is not good. Toppin and Toppin has been on an upswing. And Antonio Reeves, after the 27-point performance, still being Antonio Reeves, giving us 14 or so a game. What we need him to do. This team rides and dies on two people, C.J. Frederick and Oscar Sheepway. If you go look at the stats, 
I guarantee you, C.J. Frederick, and he did have a great game at Tennessee. He started early. He got it going. He had to have had a great game at Tennessee. But you know what he didn't have against South Carolina or Kansas or even Arkansas? And I didn't get to watch a lot of the Arkansas game. I will admit that. He did not shoot good. He did not play good. He did not do anything good. He defended well, which, to his credit, is something that Cal loves. Cal loves defending. He puts it over offense, even in this day age of basketball. That's why we don't see Reeves as much. And I forgot to mention Chris Livingston, who's also been on an upswing. And I've heard that... The reason they're playing him at the three, I feel like they should play him at the four because he's been he's been better at the four. Without Jacob Toppin, he's been able to create his shot more. He's been able to space the floor more for him. And the fours just really can't keep up with him. But his people want him to play the three because they think there's no way he can be an NBA four, which I 100% agree with. The NBA, he's too small for an NBA four. He's too he's not fast enough for an NBA three. So either he's gonna have to bulk up a lot or he's gonna have to get faster. And I think that they're leaning and hoping that he gets a little bit faster so he can maybe be an NBA three. He's an NBA talent. You've seen it in the games, you've seen it in the finishes he makes. He is an NBA talent. However, right now, it just is not fitting this team with him at the three. But Shibway struggles with length. He's a terrible defender, and he's gotten exposed for it. Pick and roll, he's awful. He does hedge the guy coming off the screen, which means he steps up. He kind of tries to push him back. That's what hedge means. But then he never gets back to his roller. He'll hedge, and he won't recover. The hedge and recover go together. He will, But he hedges, and he does not recover. It's as simple as that. And he's gotten exposed for it every single game. So until he fixes that, we are not getting a lot better, especially defensively. Because until he fixes that, we're getting exposed. Wheeler doesn't get over screens very well. Kaysen Wallace is probably our best defender, and he gets over screens the best. So it doesn't expose Shibway as much. But however, when Shibway and Severe Wheeler are in the game together... Ball screens are what you have to attack every single time because they can't defend it, and they probably aren't going to be able to defend it, unfortunately. Other college basketball, you know, there hasn't, there hasn't really been much. Besides, Tennessee did lose to Vandy, and that, that's huge for the SEC. Right now, there are a bunch of teams tied. Auburn was 7-3, and three, which is tied with Kentucky. And the SEC is wide open. It really is. I'm looking at the standings here right now. And the SEC is wide open. I mean, Alabama is 11-0 and 0 in conference. But they will take a loss in conference. I promise. Texas A&M, who Kentucky did beat, is 9-2 and in conference. And who 
honestly, people really didn't expect to be that good. Tennessee's eight and three after the loss to Vandy. Auburn seven and four along with Kentucky, and Missouri and Arkansas are trying to creep up in that spot. So right now, Kentucky has a must-win at Georgia. You have to go ahead and you have to win that game. It's as simple as that. Have to win that game. You have to beat Mississippi State at Mississippi State. They play Tennessee at home. That's a winnable game. They lost to Vandy. But what Kentucky team's going to show up? Better yet, what C.J. Frederick's going to show up? Florida, at Florida, have to get that done. Versus Auburn, have to get that done. And versus Vandy, have to get that done. So really, you want to leave yourself where you could drop one to Arkansas and Tennessee. That requires, and I think they can do it. I think this team is perfectly capable of doing that. I think they could win all seven of these games left. But it's whether they're going to show up and play or not. So, I would be interested to see what you all think. Maybe you're not even a Kentucky fan, but what do you think? Do you think this Kentucky team is going to show up and play these last few games, or do you think it's over? Do you think it's just like, we might as well just trash this season, wait on the new class? I mean, I think there's still hope for this season. Like I said, I don't think the seeding is a huge deal in this NCAA tournament. But if the seeding's not a huge deal, can Kentucky still even get in? That's the question that I'm going to be asking myself. And we shall see tomorrow. Well, I should not say tomorrow, sorry. We shall see Saturday. Whenever this comes out, Saturday, February the 11th, if Kentucky beats Georgia. They could. They couldn't. I think they'll win. But we shall see. Tom Grain and the Georgia Bulldogs will be getting ready for Kentucky. And hopefully when you hear back, you hear some good news about the Kentucky Wildcats. This has been the second segment of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast, College Basketball. Just to recap, we talked about the NBA and the Kyrie Irving-Kevin Durant trade. We talked about college basketball. And if the Kentucky Wildcats can make the tournament, and if they do, does it really matter what seed they are? That's been the second segment of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast. Welcome to the third and final segment of the Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast opening episode of what is hopefully, like I said, a very long journey with this podcast. And last but not least, We're obviously going to talk about the Super Bowl featuring the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, and we didn't have too great of a season. Um, Our fate was control. We controlled our own fate. We lost to the the Detroit Lions. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that happened. We're not going to talk about that, though. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl. And... My personal opinion, I think the Eagles win 34 to 27. And I say the Eagles win because they have the second best defense in the entire league. Plus, probably the best, most high 
powered offenses. I mean, you got A.J. Brown. You got Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, and while Miles Sanders might not be the best running back, he's better than Pacheco for Kansas City. So, plus the best, without a doubt, best offensive line in the league and a capable tight end in Dallas Goddard. So, you have one of the best offenses and defenses in the league. I mean, think about their defensive line. And Kansas City's offensive line, it's been shaky. The Bengals didn't really get to them, so they held up in the AFC Championship game. And they have to hold up in the Super Bowl. I have not heard a lot on Mahomes. However, we know in the AFC Championship game, that high ankle sprain did, you know, it made his play a little bit, not worse maybe, but you could tell a difference. He wasn't throwing off that front. He wasn't throwing off that back foot. He was trying to get more up on his front foot. Kelsey had the back spasms. That actually did not come into play, which was big for the Kansas City Chiefs in that win. And he should have gotten over him by now. They've had two weeks to rest up to heal. Mahomes' ankle is probably feeling better. But this Kansas City offense is just not where it used to be. Tyreek Hill is not there. Smith-Schuster and Valdez-Scanling were both hurt for the AFC Championship game. And they were out there running who knows what wide receivers. And it's it's just it was it was bad. You could tell it was apparent that the wide receivers they're good, but they're not where they need maybe not they where they need to be, but they're not Kansas City Chiefs level wide receivers. McCole Hardman was hurt. No, Valdez Scanling was in. McCole Hardman was hurt. I'm sorry about that. But you could tell they just weren't where they needed to be. And against this Philadelphia Eagles team, you have to be at the top of your game because this defense is ferocious. And if your offense isn't there, they will score on you. Your Kansas City's defense is okay. They're not great, but they're okay. They're serviceable. However, this Philadelphia offense is a tall task for any defense to stop. So, if Philly, is this a defensive or offensive game? I think it's an offensive game. I think it's going to be touchdown, 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 touchdown. But I think that Philly's just going to get more stops than Kansas City. I think that that's how it's going to be. Philly gets more stops than Kansas City. They win the game, and I think that's what I think that's what ends up happening. Go check out just seven homies talking. I don't know when that episode will be up. Who knows if there will even be an episode? I've got a couple of friends who great idea, maybe not the best coordination. However, I promise you, while there are seven people on there, and that's a lot. I promise you it will be a good podcast. It's going to be funny. It's just going to be seven dudes talking. It's literally the name. But it will, the Super Bowl will be talked about a lot in that podcast. So if you want to hear more about the Super Bowl, go check that out. I'm more of a basketball guy myself. 
But obviously, you have to talk about the Super Bowl. I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest. It's the biggest sporting event in America. Like I said, I think the Eagles win thirty-five twenty-seven. I'll be interested to hear your all scores. And tell me who you think's going to win. And w- will it be an offensive or defensive game? Does it come down to kick? Is it overtime? Give me some details of the game. You know, who has the most rushing yards, passing yards? I think most rushing yards is going to go to Kansas City's Pacheco because they're going to run the ball. I think they're going to have to run the ball. I think that with their wide receiver core, they they're going to have to run the ball, even with Mahomes. I think most receiving yards is going to go to A.J. Brown. Most passing yards going to go to Jalen Hurts. And I think Super Bowl MVP is going to Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles. I, You know, maybe I'm completely wrong. I don't think Mahomes deserve that MVP. I think that that's Jalen Hurts' MVP. And I think he's going to really feel that coming into the Super Bowl and maybe propel his play to try and get Super Bowl MVP, which honestly matters more than the regular season MVP. That is all for the episode today, ladies and gentlemen. Just to wrap it up for you, the first segment was over the NBA. The Kyrie Irving trade, the Kevin Durant trade, you know, will Kyrie be able to fit with the Mavericks? What about the usage rates of both players? Will his off-court issues affect him? Questions like that. So if you need more clarity, I suggest going to listen to the Ringer NBA show. It's a great podcast, obviously way more experienced than what I'm doing. But it's, it's a great podcast. Go listen to that. Go listen to... Just seven dudes talking if you want to hear more about the Super Bowl. We also talked about college basketball and how Kentucky needs to get the job done in these last seven games if they want to propel themselves forward into the NCAA tournament or even maybe a nine seed because, like we said, seeding maybe not as important this season of college basketball as we've seen in past years, really last year too. But that's been it. You are listening to Buzzer Beater Sports Podcast with Jace Howard. Signing off. Peace.